Welcome back to Letters to Women. It's a podcast where we explore and embrace the feminine genius in our everyday, ordinary lives as Catholic women. I first encountered Kate Capato's sacred art through a beautiful painting that she created called The Woman. And it's an incredible piece of sacred art that depicts Eve and Our Lady of Guadalupe. Someone I know shared the image on social media and its beauty was and still is absolutely captivating. It is an image that I have thought of many times and taken to prayer many times. Beauty is restorative and it points us back to the ultimate beauty of God. Today's conversation with Kate taught me so much about the power of beauty in our daily lives and the fact that God is the ultimate artist. If you long to encounter beauty and be drawn closer to the Lord's sacred heart through that encounter, sister, this letter is for you. We're welcoming to the podcast visual grace artist, Kate Capauto. She is an artist with a deep vision who seeks to share authentic beauty that captivates the soul. As a sacred art painter, natural light photographer, and contemporary dance choreographer, she artistically brings to life truth, goodness, and beauty. Kate, welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Chloe. It's great to be here. So today we're going to be having a conversation about sacred art, about beauty, about theology of the body. But Kate, first, before we dive into those things, for those who haven't met you, can you tell us a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Sure, yeah. So I'm one of six kids. I'm the third. I have two older brothers and um, a younger sister, brother, sister. And yeah, born and raised Catholic. We did the whole homeschool thing for years. Um, Really experience the tradition um, fully within my family. Um, but I would say that from given my personality, I'm very much a, uh, for those that know the temperament of melancholic choleric. So very much a rule follower, kind of had to do everything my parents said. <laughs> so I, you know, I clung to the faith that it was as a child more because my parents said so, which isn't a bad thing, but it wasn't until probably high school when I um, we actually had the option to go back to school. So we were homeschooled through preschool, and then I chose to go to a local high school. And uh, we had it was a Catholic high school, and there was opportunities to go on uh, Kairos retreats. I know many are familiar with those types, and it was there that I really had a, a personal encounter with with the Lord. And that kind of revamped my understanding of the faith. And I would say just really built a personal, yeah, encounter in faith uh, with the Lord. I had, I literally remember a time in prayer and uh, at this retreat where I literally was just crying. Um, And it's because I, I hard to articulate, but I literally felt like I was tasting the Lord in, in my heart. And he really, I really felt known by him in that moment. Like he understood what my heart was suffering, what I was praying for. And he was just kind of saying, I, I hear you, I see you, I know you. And um, yeah, it, again, it's hard to articulate unless you've experienced this yourself, but it was just this moment of really um, just that beautiful communion with God and, and understanding he's real and he knows you and loves you well. So it was that experience that really 
um, lit a fire under me, if you will. And it became, my faith became much more um, alive. And so since then, I would say I felt everything I do in life, I desire to do with the vision of faith and in the, the hope of going, getting closer to the Lord. Um, now, I, w- I wouldn't say my journey has been, you know, smooth sailing since then. I kind of went through a, a time of uh, a beautiful highs and, and um, just a lot of confirmation and consolation, but then that left at a time. I, I also went on a lot of missions trips. So after my college years, I ended up going to India for two years. It was actually during that trip. I was only there for two months. Um, but I, he allowed me to enter into this, uh, this, this darkness faith-wise. And um, it almost felt like he had abandoned me. And I really had to cling to all the promises that he had shared with me before um, in Scripture, as well as the encounters that I had the years leading up to it. And, and I had to just choose to believe, really. Um, but it, it was a hard, and it, this lasted for years. <laughs> and it was, I, I even kind of stepped back a little. I say that I didn't stop going to Sunday Mass, praise the Lord, through His grace. You know, before I was like so on fire that I was doing everything and anything <laughs> faith-wise and um, all the extras. But during this time of darkness, I just I had to step back and kind of just allow myself to be hurting Um Again, I, I was able to keep up with weekly mass, which is beautiful. And it, it, the Lord just walks through me, or with me through this time and um, built me up. I didn't realize it, but after that time of darkness, I realized he wanted to kind of teach me um, that he's more than just a feeling. While I had experienced him in those feelings and those beautiful consolations during those years leading up to it, uh, that's not who he is. You know, those are just, ways to to encounter him but he he shows us himself in many different ways so it was during that time of darkness if you will that he started to show me other ways um and also just grew grew my spirituality from kind of that baby spirituality into like more adult um if you will where i was able to choose to believe and trust the promises that were given so a lot of this (laughs) is reflecting, as we'll talk about, um, in what I do today, but, like, and even since then, it, there's still these, as anyone can relate, probably these ups and downs of consolation and then desolation, and just learning each step of the way more about God and who He is, um, but remembering those promises, even in those dark times, and how He intimately loves each one of us and knows us so deeply, so, Yeah. That's in a nutshell. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love how your story speaks into. I am a rule follower as well, so I know that very well and intimately. But the idea that that there is there's a decision point and emotions in our faith that it's not either or. I, I it's not. I just have to know all these things, or I just have to follow all these rules, or I want to and desire to encounter Christ with my heart and through my emotions and through my passions. But instead this beauty of an integrated life that involves both of those things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the Lord just kind of takes us on that journey to learn those different aspects of him. So Kate, I first inter- first encountered you and your story through your art, 
which is absolutely gorgeous. It's I, I feel like I'm not going to do your story justice because a podcast can't show anything that you've created, but it's just beautiful and following you on social media Thank and you. being drawn into beauty. You spent time in Italy so, studying art, which is yeah. incredible. So can you tell us a little bit about what you learned about beauty in your time in Italy as you were studying and how beauty really reveals the ultimate beauty, which is God? Just a little bit about how I got there as well. I, after my experience, experiences with mission, I also did some mission work with the Culture Project in the States. Um, I just was drawn, I wanted to help people. And I felt particularly called to mission work. But I also always had this creative side to me. And I was like, Lord, I also decided to do art. And forever it felt like two different worlds that didn't really belong together. And I didn't, I wasn't sure how they would ever come together. Um, but eventually I came across this uh, school, the Sacred Art School in Florence, Italy. And it just became very clear that the Lord called me to go there. And once I started to study particularly sacred art, um, it, it was like they, those two worlds began to zip up and come together more fully because it was an understanding of uh, how to use my skills as an artist to speak truth. And, you know, this particular mission of evangelization through beauty um, just was beginning to make more and more sense. So, um, yeah, so that brought me to Italy, and I was there for two years. I did not anticipate that. It was a pure gift. Um, and also, just a side note, financially way more feasible than anything in the States. So all of it kind of just laid out perfectly, and the Lord was like, go. I was thinking I'd go for a summer, and then it turned into a year, and then it turned into two years. Yeah, so he just provided in that way. And before going, um, I had my undergrad in studio art. I was thinking I was going to do art therapy. I, so I had experience in art, and I was okay. But I... I felt like if, if I'm going to do more of my art for evangelization, I need to grow my skills. Like, it, it's this, this concept of really investing in our talent and seeking excellence. Not perfection, but excellence for the Lord. Um, so that's what um, I desired in going there. And really, perfection for me, it was it is my uh, painting skills, my oil painting skills. And so that's where I wanted to go perfect it. And I would say before going... In terms of my vision of art and beauty, it was more influenced by contemporary culture. And while there, I, I really had um, a, a shift of vision and understanding the value of tradition when it comes to studying art and the understanding of how that helps us prepare beauty even more. Um, and I say this lightly because I know there's a full spectrum of artists out there all within the faith as well, that some are in the contemporary side and others are in the more traditional side. Um, but my time in experiencing the Renaissance, you know, within Italy as it is today, but the history of all that just allowed me to see um, the there's beauty in order and the Lord works within order. Um, and and it's that order does not prohibit creativity. In fact, it enhances it further if we if we really dive it in, into that. So, the time of working hard to fine tune our craft. So for me, again, to study the technique of oil painting, 
um, which is it's hard work. Like nine to five, you're painting and learning structure, lighting, anatomy, all of it. You know, um, and even within that two years, there's still so much to learn. Like I wouldn't say I'm fully learning and all of that. But there were days where it's like, why am I doing all this work? Um, and I think in our culture today, we can get in this mindset of like, either you have the skills or you don't, and just you know, go be inspired and. Which there is inspiration within art, but there's also an aspect of really um, that it's needed to learn the technique of something to be able to then um, showcase the creative aspect as well. Um, I'm not sure if all that makes sense, and I feel like there could be a whole other podcast for that, but I want to say that because during my time there, I just felt like my my style quickly changed and became more traditional, obviously from what they shared with me, but just in encountering the uh, just the old master works and seeing how well they spoke truth to a, a well ordered image that wasn't void of creativity, which we all know very well. Like if you look at a Michelangelo or Da Vinci and all these images whether it's a sculptor or painting or architecture, you're inspired. And if you really study them, there's such intricacy in all of them. And they study technique to no end. And like, uh, like Da Vinci would literally go and look at dead bodies to study anatomy, like all these different, they wanted to know because it was learning from the ultimate master artist, Bob. Like really learning, he's the best artist ever. So, like, really studying, like, his creation to then be able to create better. Um, yeah, and, and in that, in studying his creation, um, whether it be a human figure or nature, uh, writing, whatever, we learn more about God. We learn about his characteristics. And um, I will say also, in my time there, I learned that the call of the artist, especially those of faith, is to bring beauty and to speak truth to that. And um, we don't always see that in the art culture today. You know, a lot of people just try to be different and uh, shock factors. People are signing urinals or just, you know, taping a banana to an eagle and calling that art. I don't know if you've seen any of that. I have, yes. <laughs> but all of that is just a cry for help, I think, where our culture is today. Like, they want to be seen and be different and make a name, but, like, the true artist's vocation is to speak of the mysteries that are hidden. It's almost like we create, especially a sacred artist now, um, you know, it's a little different between a regular artist and a sacred artist, but um, especially a sacred artist are called to, to reveal the divine through their work, whatever genre that may be. So, yeah, I began to, like, enter into that more fully in my time in Italy by studying our masters but also learning the techniques myself. I love how you're speaking into this idea of a proper understanding of order, because I think, especially in today's culture, this idea of order or rules or techniques that you can perfect or strive for excellence, I love how you described that, seems to be something that's that's taken and interpreted as, well, this is these are rules and boundaries and they don't let me be free. I'm not allowed to be free within these. But what you're speaking into really beautifully is how there's so much freedom with like the boundaries or something and the techniques of sacred art set you free to be creative. And I think that's totally a different way of thinking about order than I, the, what the world or society or culture as a whole thinks of that when they think of that word. Yes. Yes. And I, 
again, before going, I would say I was, if you will, on the other side, being that too much technique would inhibit my creativity. And um, I think that's really far from the truth. Um, once I learned the anatomy and knew how to create a figure more and more, like I can do so much more of that now yeah. <laughs> than what I did before. And to how you're speaking about that art, especially sacred art, reveals what is true, good, and beautiful, and true being true, mm-hmm. what what is reality, um, and how right. learning technique allows you to reveal that even to a better depth. I've One of the lines from what you were sharing that sticks out that I have never thought of it before is, is contemplating and studying nature and the human form as god as the ultimate artist that is beautiful the more i mean if you think about even something simple as sitting and watching a sunset we're learning something about god like he's saying something about himself in that and it may be subconscious but we're encountering him and god's so vast there's so many characteristics and uh, just aspects of who he is I mean, every person speaks about him in a different way. You know, every te- like temperament, personality, they all are just little aspects of who the Lord is. So, like, if we open our eyes well and our ears well and all of our senses, we encounter different qualities of who the Lord is. Um, so why not learn that, especially as artists, to portray that better and better as we go on? Yeah, and talk about endless inspiration as well. When it comes to being inspired to create something, there's it's endless. God is endless, and and what He creates for us, and being able to to look at those in different ways and and be inspired to create art is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Kate, can you talk a little bit about the process of creating sacred art? What inspires you to paint something? How how for you what that looks like, and then what it looks like moving from you're inspired by something to then creating something, especially when it comes to the sacred art. Yeah. So there's kind of two different processes, if you will. So if someone comes to me and asks for permission, they themselves might already have in their heart um, a vision or a theme, um, at least like, you know, the skeleton structure of something that they would hope to be created. So they might say to me, oh, you know, if it's a private commission, like our family has a special devotion to this saint, um, and these are the reasons why. So then what I would do is I would take that, I would pray with that, build some sketches for them, create a composition. They would choose which one speaks to them the most in, in what they're striving to have portrayed. And then from there, I would get real models, um, create this composition in real life, so to speak, and do some sketching with the real models. Because we're in a day and age where things have to be turned around fairly quickly, unfortunately, there's not a lot of time to do the models the whole time. Um, also financially, because there's a lot to pay them if I were to use them the whole time. I would love to. That's what the old masters did. <laughs> for the, but for the time sake and efficiency, um, I just use them in the beginning, and then I have um, my professional camera where I, where I take an image of that. You know, all the lighting is set up backdrop. Sometimes I have to build backdrop. They have, like, particular, like, sacred clothes that we, well, just like that old-fashioned clothes, if they're Mary or Christ or whatever. I have, like, a trunk full of costumes, if you will. <laughs> um, so all of that is real. Like, I, I make as much as possible to be real because, um, I mean, those that are at this place of studying so much that they can just invent it in their mind because they study it so much, they're, like, far, far progressed. But most of us have to be able to see in order to create it. 
so seeing where that light falls on their arm and how it shapes it, seeing where that fabric folds and all of that. So I have to make that in reality before I can paint it. And then from there, I transfer it onto the final canvas. Um, maybe it's become, you know, has to become larger depending on the size. Um, and then it takes probably another month or two to just paint after that. Um, and it's layer by layer. I build like, um, I start with like this, um, I could really use a warm tone, but you can do a cool, cool tone, but you create a medium tone base on your canvas first. So then from there, you can black out the darkest dark, darks and the lightest lights, and it starts building up the form. And then literally, it's just layer by layer by layer, getting more and more detail each layer you get until you get to the complete form. As far as a work that if it's a personal, you, put, you might hear my bird in the background right now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes she wants to be part of the conversation um, <laughs> if it's a personal thing so actually right now there's a work that's been on my heart um, and I feel there's certain times where this happens where it comes to me in prayer and it, it like it almost cold, like um, what's the word it brews if you will in a good way like it's, it's building and um, the ache to create it is forming and growing larger and larger, larger after a couple months and I'm like okay I think the Lord wants me to create this work. Um, and so from there, being that it's not a commission, um, it's, it's just a little different in that it comes from a personal encounter with prayer. And I still do very similar things. Like each work, no matter if it's a commission or a personal um, it, revelation, if you will, um, is built out of prayer. Like I will say that is a key aspect to sacred art that is needed. Um, someone said to me, um, like a sacred work is a visual homily, if you will. So really being able to know what is being said and to say it well as an artist is key, but that can only be done if we're praying well. Um, so, and even, it's even better when I'm able to like go to confession and communion right before I begin a work and all those things. Um, and I just ask the Lord to paint again, no matter if it's a commission or a personal, um, personal image that's on my heart and I constantly just say Lord if this is your work I want you to create because I desire them to encounter whoever it is to encounter you through this work so that is like the key foundation and then from there I'll build sketches again and it just takes time to come like get to a place of satisfaction with the, com the composition so there's just like really small sketches usually I begin with just pencil sketches to get like light and dark um, composition and where the figures would be or like where they're, you know, what type of position their bodies would be in and so on. Um, sometimes I have to do like a lot of research, like if there's a saint that I'm not super familiar with, um, I'll be researching and understanding like what characteristics they might have had or what they're the patron saint of or um, that way I can also incorporate um, symbolism in there and it's a lot of learning some of them I've already learned but some of them I'm still learning like what symbology represents this and that so like certain flowers showcase like we're familiar with the lily the white lily and that represents St. Joseph but also like purity and it's also a symbol of those that are in the resurrection there's a lot of symbology behind different objects and I love incorporating them um, and hopefully most people are able to catch on to them, but some of them are they're just learning 
as they view the image themselves for the first time. And, but it's neat just kind of like seeing that story unfold in front of them. Um, but yeah, so once the composition is decided, um, again, from there I get uh, live models doing sketching further. And when I mean that, April Live, I'll start painting with them and I'll do a couple sitting sessions with them to really study the form, whether, you know, right now I'm working on an image with Christ in it and yeah, just kind of studying where I want the lighting and stuff by painting um, the live model. And then once I finalize what I, I feel the composition should look like, again, I'll take that photo and then build the canvas and start going on the actual, um, um, like, well, depending on the size I choose. This one is going to be fairly big. It's about, about five feet high. Oh, I wow. love working big. It's, it's usually if it's my inspiration, they're bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what I do. Like, that's just what, I don't know. I get more inspired when I walk in front of a, a painting that's life-size or larger, and you just feel, well, more taken by it. So I love creating images like that as well. Um, practically speaking, a lot of people don't have room for that in their home, so they're closer to the smaller 16 by 20 or 24 by 36 sizes, and that's good too. But in, for my inspirations, I tend to work larger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did I answer that? Yeah. All your questions. That was that? wonderful. I love hearing just, especially someone who I, I am not a sacred artist. And so I never thought about the idea that you would have a model and you would like probably fold like drapes of clothing to get the folds right and the lighting and just mm-hmm. how intricate that is and how much of a process it is. This is, yeah, that was perfect. Thank you. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize because you don't, there's not many artists that we encounter in our day-to-day basis. Thankfully, more are coming and uh, coming out of the woodwork, so to speak, and growing. But mm, those that aren't artists don't realize the amount of time that goes into a work. Mm-hmm. Um, so most most of my works, if you think about the whole process, take about two to four months, you know, full time. Wow. So it's, it's a lot of detail and planning and, again, all the materials that you invest in with the models as well as the clothing as the canvas and the painting, all of it to get one artwork. That's incredible. You mentioned your work with the Culture Project and how that plays a part in your story too. How What have you learned about theology of the body through painting and painting the human body? I had a base of theology of the body before diving deeper into painting. Um so I would I would almost say that theology body happened a little like more that was more of the beginning if you will understanding just the the value of our femininity and masculinity and how body is speaking something and that is so good and when when I had that basis going in to this art it just kind of gave me. Um, just a, a different vision that sometimes, for instance, like in studying in, in Italy, we have live models, and many times they're nude, mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of Americans have a hard time with that. Um, they're like, "Oh, really? Like that seems wrong," <laughs> and um, it's not. It's not wrong, but there is a way to do it. There's a proper way to do it, and. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about understanding like the why behind what you're creating. So there are very clear artworks that are wrong when it comes to the body, um, that are more pornographic, if you will. Um, but that doesn't make every image that shows the body pornographic. 
it's been a mix of my studies of reading um, Theology of the Body. Um, I even went to the, a couple courses at Theology of the Body Institute and learning that on my own, but then also in um, painting live models and and learning the figure and just kind of uh, seeing the beauty of the body as I create it in art. It's like the theology body is coming to life more and understanding that like, well, when I place the body in this position, it says something. What is it saying? What is the viewer able to receive by that? Uh, and really being intentional with that language, if you will. Um, and if you study old paintings again, there's um some of my favorite are I'm gonna be blanking uh, on the artist thing, which is bad. But there's some images literally of like Mary, the Mother of God, breastfeeding a saint, which is like extreme. If you've encountered that, I think naturally where we are in our culture today, we look at that and we're like, whoa, like what is that? <laughs> but if you sit there and you actually bring that to prayer, there is so much truth and goodness in what is being expressed in that image. Very And it's very pure. And now we might be in a place where it's harder for us to see that, given maybe we have had horrible encounters with pornography or abuse, God forbid, or whatever. And we might need to kind of wrestle with that and ask the Lord to purify our hearts to see it better. But our, our bodies are not bad, I guess is all I want to say, and I think theology body says that very clearly, but there's a reason we've been given them, and they they say something very clearly about our our desire for the Lord and that communion, and our call as mas as, as man and woman, masculine and feminine. Yeah, there's just, there's so much we can go into in terms of theology body, and it it's done well, sacred art can help express the truth of our bodies more clearly mm -hmm. and begin to heal some of those uh, wounds, if you will, of our culture today because of pornography, abuse, and so on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it constantly inspires me, the theology of the body, to be able to share more and more about our identity and our call through, the, through visualizing the body and through sacred um, people and expressions and symbology to be able to articulate that more. Kate, we're just scratching the surface here. Like we could have a whole podcast on each one of these questions. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the same, yeah. I'm like, okay, I should wrap up this question. <laughs> oh, we may have to come back for a round two, a round two and dig deeper. But for people who are listening, who who want to see what this looks like, where can listeners find your art online and support your work? Sure. My website is Visual Grace dot org so dot org yeah and there i have my sacred art portfolio i also uh, as you mentioned in the beginning i do some photography and dance choreography um all of it kind of under that umbrella of striving to speak truth through beauty and uh, expressing these beautiful mysteries of communion that the lord is calling us to so that's my website visualgrace.org but i also have facebook um digital grace Kate Capato, um, and Capato is C-A-P-A-T-O. And I do have Instagram as well, visualgrace.sacredart. Searching visual grace, you'll probably find any of those. Um, but yeah, all of 
those are ways that you can find me. Um, I try to post regular updates with just behind the scenes of what I do on each of those platforms. So you'll see paintings in progress. I do offer prints. If you know some of the listeners out there are like, oh, I'd love a work, but not sure if they can afford like a commission. I have prints available for certain work. Um, but yeah, I'm also always available for commission work too if there is something on your heart. Um, and I love to be able to bring that to fruition with you. This has been beautiful. The one question that I always use to wrap up interviews is on Letters to Women as we explore the feminine genius here is how do you live out the feminine genius specifically in your daily life as a woman who just enables encounters with the divine? You're talking about beauty and art or and in your daily life. I would say a lot of it is learning how to be receptive. Um, naturally, we have that gift as women, but learning how to, to live in that well is key. And as a sacred art painter, um, it, it, um, it challenges me to do that well. So again, I'm currently working on this painting that's been on my hut for a while. But I have to be actively receptive about it. I have to go. I have to pray in adoration and ask the Lord to inspire me with the composition, inspire me with the message. Um, so I'm actively choosing and asking the Lord to in- give me all those those things that I need to, in order to create it. Um, and then sometimes He asks me to wait to create something. So it's kind of living in that ache or that desire, um, that aspect of waiting that is needed and um, enabling him to work in that. And I think that's a beautiful quality of the feminine genius. That isn't always easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not this like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. It's, it's like this active living in the ache and letting the Lord take over and, and constantly putting that at the foot of the cross and saying, okay, you take care of this. You take care of this. Um, I'm going to do the steps that I need that I know that I can right now, but there's a lot still out of my hands. And as a freelance artist, there's so much out of my hands that I, I constantly have to do that. And it's a, it's a beautiful way to kind of dig deeper into my femininity and entrusting him to lead me, the Lord to lead me well. And that is in the small stuff as much as the big stuff. So yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing right now that I'm learning um, to, to grow in more. And that definitely sticks out in terms of feminine quality. That's beautiful. I think a lot of people think of receptivity as kind of this passive, let things happen to me characteristic. But what you're speaking into so beautifully is that, it, no, it's an active openness. And I love what you've spoken to about the ache and just existing in that. And sometimes I'm being receptive to God's plan for that and what he wants to bring to fruition. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, for sharing your story. If you're listening and, and you want to hear and and encounter Kate's art more on her website, you can always visit the show notes. And Kate, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. This was a beautiful conversation. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. If you head over to my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com, you can find the show notes for today's episode where you'll find links to Kate's art, photography, and choreography, as well as a link to a blog that she wrote about that piece that I mentioned in the very beginning of this episode, The Woman, that piece of sacred art that depicts Eve and Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's absolutely stunning. I mentioned it in today's episode, but it's true. Talking about sacred art on a podcast just sells sacred art short. So if, if there's, if you've never gone and checked out the show notes, this is one episode that I highly, I can't recommend Kate's art enough. Um, and so make sure you head over to the, to oldfashionedgirlblog.com to get those links. If you like this podcast, can you take a spare minute to rate and review Letters to Women on iTunes so that more women can encounter these conversations? And if you have a friend who is an artist or who desires to to encounter the Lord through beauty, can you share this episode with her? That's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.